Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. From the book of Isaiah 9 and 6, we read a very familiar passage of Scripture a scripture that we often read and refer to around the Christmas season, but we're certainly not limited nor just hedged in by calendars. The Bible says in Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Today we're calling on that name. That name because it's an all-inclusive name. And so when we don't have time and when circumstances don't merit, I'm thankful that I can just say, Jesus. (laughs) Aren't you glad you know him? Praise God. You, you can be seated today. I want to use as a subject today the power, the power of a name. The power of a name. You know, a great myth exists among many people. I am confident that I'm, a, I'm not alone when we have heard the little rhyme that says, sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never harm me. I, I, I don't think there could be a greater mistruth in the world because words can be powerfully inflicted. You can't unsay something. <laughs> you can't take that back. You can't unhear something. The power of a name. I think about, and I don't want to get ahead of myself today, but I think about, uh, I think about opinions that have been afflicted on people, especially children, who have been raised by uh, people that probably don't really shouldn't have the authority to be doing that. But how that many times children are raised under an umbrella. And they are shrouded or, or covered, shall I say, with, with words and titles and, and, and implications that kind of set the trajectory of their life because that becomes their own opinion of themselves. As I've said oftentimes when dealing with children, and we're not the high watermark by any means, but when you are speaking with children, you, if you address the king in a child, the king is what will stand. But if you address the fool in a child, the fool is what will stand. And there's foolishness that's bound up in all of us. And uh, so I want to cultivate the kingship or the queen. I want to cultivate that because there's power in a name. There's power in a name. Names make a difference. I found this interesting. Psychologists studied the names of 15,000 juvenile delinquents and discovered something very intriguing, this common thread. A common thread of these juveniles was the fact that they had unusual or even embarrassing names. And because of that, statistically, they were in trouble four times more than other children because of the name that was just given to them at birth, perhaps, because names make a difference. Parents have agonized over what to name their children. When we were expecting our son, or we didn't really know it was a son at the time, but we were expecting our child. This was before the internet. And uh, (laughs) 
some of our young folks, I want to be clear, we did have electricity then. Because you probably assume that we didn't have running water or electric either. But my wife bought and even borrowed several books. They were just books full of names. We would just read over these names. Just almost every time we had an occasion, you're just reading through these names. And, and you'd let that name kind of fall off your tongue and resonate. And just you're just trying, you're in search of trying to find something that would be appropriate to, to title or to call your, your children. And so night after night, so it seems, that we would look through these books trying to decide just, just what. It was an important process. It wasn't something that we had taken lightly. It was something that we had embraced with all seriousness. I'm sure the same seriousness that everyone here. As I looked into the subject, I found it interesting or even somewhat bizarre that names through the years because it seems that names become uh, almost a block of an era of time where during certain seasons of time certain names both male and female will kind of be popular and they will they will last for several years and then those names kind of fade off of the scene and then another set of names kind of come on to the scene and on and on and on and I, I think you're uh, following me on what I'm saying. But during, during the uprising of the rebellious 60s, there were many parents that were just so anti-establishment. They wanted to go against an upstream of anything that seemed status quo. And so they, in their many times, drunken or drug-induced stupors, had children and named their children something that seemed to make perfect sense while you're on LSD. while you're floating three zip codes away, not realizing that you're, that you're attaching something to a child that's going to have to live with this the rest of their lives. And so children who have even made their way into adulthood, and I hope I'm not talking about any of your family this morning, but with names like morning or flower or sunshine, it was stated that many children's names, some of them changed their names when they got into adulthood, but many of the children were named during this tumultuous time. You ready for this? Doobie. It was a word of the day, a word of the hour. <laughs> How many doobies would you have to smoke for doobie to make sense to you? <laughs> I know what we could call him. I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to. I probably just should have thought that instead of said it, but goodness gracious. <laughs> I would imagine that was the catalyst for more than schoolyard fight, wouldn't you? And so it's true that generationally, Names have been associated with times, seasons, and things of that nature. But in biblical times, and this is where I'm really trying to go and pardon my folly here, but in biblical times, names carry great significance, tremendous significance. Often they would, names would be descriptive of either physical characteristics of a child or, or perhaps something that was happening at the time of their birth it was something significant. You could kind of put your finger on that name and trace back to a moment in time or something that to some measure made sense. In other words, Adam's name, the name Adam simply means earth because he was man made from the dust of the earth. Consider Jacob and Esau. When Esau was born, he was covered with hair, so they named him accordingly, hanging uh, because Esau is associated with that and, and the color of his skin. Hanging on to Esau's heel was his brother. And, and uh, literally, ho holding on to his heel as they were being born. And so they named him Jacob because Jacob means he takes by the heel or heel grabber or to supplant, to deceive. Or another name for Jacob is to attack from the rear. And so... 
I mean, a lot of thought went into that. He grabbed his heel, and so this may, this may state something about his character, and in this case, we certainly know that it did. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 19 through 22, tells about a woman who was with child when she heard not only that her husband and brother-in-law had been killed in battle, but she also heard that the Ark of the Covenant of God had been stolen. And this tragic news apparently sent her into premature labor and, and she died in childbirth but she named that child Ichabod. Ichabod. Can you imagine the pronouncement? She wasn't trying to hinge her son with some name that he would be unable to shake, but what she was trying to say is this denotes a moment in time because Ichabod means the glory has departed. And so it was a very significant, dreary, sobering, and serious moment. The glory has departed. We know that the angel came to Mary who was living in a little city known as Nazareth and he told her that she was going to have the highest privilege that had ever or would ever be offered to any woman in human history. She was going to be the mother of the Messiah. Mary wanted to know how, how would this happen? I am a virgin. How is this going to unfold? It was revealed to her that this is the son of God and that he would be supernaturally conceived in her womb. Fortunately, the angel also appeared to Joseph and he told him to take Mary, his wife, and said, she's going to bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. There's significance here. For he shall save his people from their sin. So we're not just naming him something cute. We're not just going to tag something on him that kind of makes us feel warm and fuzzy when we call his name but there's some significance to this name you need to call his name Jesus because he's coming with a purpose and that purpose is to save people from their sin it is a name I realize that I am preaching to the choir to, to, to some degree here this morning but not altogether so we do know that it is a name that the scripture says is a name above every name it is a name that the Bible says that in time every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is so much in the name of Jesus for us to discover. I'm not here today to tell you that I have discovered it all. But I believe that what we have revealed to us in Scripture is enough that it, not, not, it ought not to just excite us for the sake of excitement, but it ought to settle us. It ought to put something in our heart. I, I'm thankful for exciting services. I, I don't want to leave the wrong impression here. I'm thankful for demonstrative worship, and I, I love to praise the Lord. I, I can't hardly be still when we're singing. I've got to move a little bit because there's just something welling up in my heart and in my spirit. But you see, if we're not careful, if that's the only thing we build our lives on when the music ends and the lights go out, you may not have anything to hold you. And so I don't want to just get excited about this today. I want to be comforted by the words that we're going to talk about this morning. I want to be comforted by the name and the power of a name. Don't ever discount it. Don't ever discount it. I was, I, I was talking with a minister, while a pastor, while we were at men's conference, and we were talking about particular situations sometimes that you deal with in the course of a service or perhaps just in the in the life of ministry at large. And he said, you know, my dad has always said when he goes to pray for somebody and prays for them in Jesus' name, he said, if that doesn't work, he said, I don't know where to go from there. When you call on the name of Jesus, you, you have gone to the greatest authority. You have gone to the highest authority. He wasn't saying that in a despairing manner, but he was just talking about with that when we call on his name. He wasn't saying that, that he was discouraged or that he was defeated. He was just saying, reminding us that, that when you don't know what to do, say Jesus. Amen. When you don't know where to go, just, just call on the name of the Lord. I, amen. I don't want you to think that I'm just you. 
while today, I'm going to tell you, there have been times that I sat in my chair and just took this book and I just held it to my chest because I didn't really know what to say. But I just could remember that David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Amen. I, I, it was just symbolic. I know what David was talking about. Amen. It was just symbolic. I don't know where to go, but I'm going to stand on the only thing that I know cannot be shaken and cannot be moved and will not be intimidated and will not run and hide and will not lose a moment's sleep because there's the power of a name. Hallelujah. So without apology, we walk into hospital rooms. Without apology, we walk into to, to sick beds and we just lay hands and we pray in the name of Jesus and the results are up to him. Amen. What happens now is up to him because we've done all we know to do. We have, we have tapped in and embraced and touched the greatest name. The greatest name. Uh, Isaiah's 9 and 6 was written 700 years before Jesus was born. But we find vital insight. I, I marvel at prophecy and prophets. I'm going to tell you I do. Here's a man seven centuries that just utters something that I'm just going to tell you today. I, I, I'm not trying to be carnal or, or uh, at, at all, but I, I just believe that Isaiah was a man of passion just like me and just like you, a, a, a person of, of strengths and weaknesses just like me and just like you. And there may have been times that when Isaiah put his pen down that he wondered, I, I, he may have thought, I wonder what that was all about. He didn't live long enough to see it come to fruition. He didn't know, amen, but he just uttered some words, but oh, how powerful and oh, how accurate. Thank you, thank you, Isaiah, for being sensitive to the spirit of God. Vital insight to not just his name, but to the purpose and to the work. For unto us a child is born and a son is, giving, is given. We celebrate, certainly, in America, we celebrate and around the world uh, the, the fact that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem's manger. Unto us a son is given. Now we have never embraced the idea that it was December the 25th. I'm not here to say that was the actual date. But it's just simply a day that has been set aside for us to acknowledge that there was a Savior that was born and he walked among us. Amen. Now that's one of the most exciting things that you could ever read in any piece of literature. Amen. That God incarnate, amen, would walk among men. That he would robe himself in flesh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. In a real sense, Jesus was never born. I want, I want to shake your theology here because he was God and God is eternal. No beginning and no end. Amen. Yes, there was a day that he robed himself in flesh and there was a manger in Bethlehem and there were those events. I'm not alluding to that. He did live and he did walk among us for 33 and a half years. In another sense, God has always been and he will always be. And so we need to take comfort in that. The book of Micah chapter five, verse number two. The Bible says from this minor prophet's lips, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Micah was just acknowledging the fact that when the Messiah comes, he is going to be eternal. This is not something that just happened and went away. Amen. This is not just a moment in time that we can erase later. He was indeed Emmanuel, God with us. Each one of these titles that, that Isaiah gives us in the sixth chapter, the ninth verse, gives us a unique glimpse into the work that Jesus Christ desires to do in every life that is in this building. And so let's consider them, if we will, one by one. The Bible says that his name shall be called Wonderful. The word wonderful comes from the root word wonder. And the problem today that we see around us, even in the context of church, is that a lot of people that profess to have the Holy Ghost have lost the wonder of living for God. 
Now, lest you think I'm just being unkind and trying to be rude this morning, I'm not at all attempting to do that, but I think you can judge a tree by the fruit it bears. There are sometimes the Spirit of God is moving, the presence of God is surging in our midst, and there are people that are just so disconnected and they are so unconcerned. Amen, they're just thinking about some uh, when how long is this going to last and when are we going to get to go home I got a roast in the crock pot are the restaurants going to be so full we're not going to be able to get in it are you kidding me the power of God is in our midst I don't ever want to get used to that I don't ever want to get over that I don't want to ever lose the awe of that <laughs> hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> I don't ever want to lose the awe of kneeling down at my chair in our living room and just saying good morning, Jesus, and feeling his presence and his power. I don't want to think he owes me that. I don't want to get to the place that I think he's obligated to me for that. But I want to say, Lord, I love you. Thank you. I don't ever want to lose the wonder of being in your presence. <laughs> I don't ever want to lose the wonder, the wonder, the wonder. Oh, he's a wonderful. He's, his name shall be called wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Amen. We have so much today. We have so much today. And it desensitizes us sometimes. I'm preaching from my heart. I'm not only worried about us, but I'm telling you, and I'll say this in the absence of our youth, I'm really worried about the generation behind us. Because there is, in our society, there is a spirit of entertainment, amen, that drives us, that pushes us, and so whatever was there to entertain them yesterday, no longer intrigues them tomorrow. And so more and more and more has got to be created and, and more and more and more has got to be invented because we're trying to tap into that insatiable appetite of humanity. But I'm going to tell you this morning, we need to just fall, in, like the old song says, falling in love with Jesus. That's the best thing that I've ever done. I need to go back and fall in love again. I just want to fall in love with him. And if I never hear from him again, if we never feel him again, if we never sense him again, I just want to love him. I just want to love him for him. I just want to enjoy being in the presence of the Lord. Just enjoy his nature. Enjoy the calm. Enjoy the peace. Enjoy the majesty. I want to enjoy the wonder. You know, some folks, and I'm just going to use a little Pentecostal vernacular here, but some folks, if they feel like if they hadn't jumped up and gnawed on the ceiling during church, they hadn't been to church. That may not be how the Lord chooses to move every time. Amen. If there's a slow, subtle moving of the Spirit in the presence of God, I don't want to sit back detached. It's because we're not singing a song in the key of G 120 mile an hour. Amen. I want to just say, wait a minute, Lord. I want to, I want to enjoy this part of living for you too. I want to enjoy that subtle, still, small voice. You don't always have to move in the thunder. You don't always have to move in the light. And I want to, I want to be able to tap into the wonder of that. We have so many things that entertain us and I'm as guilty as anyone in the room so I'm not throwing rocks. But we have cell phones and tablets and laptops and you can, uh, the other night my, rest, my wife and I were with another couple in a restaurant. We had to wait a little bit longer for, uh, to get in than normal and, and I just looked around and I mean, I, <laughs> I, ha I hate to think what would have happened if, the cell towers would have all crashed and we all had to talk. We're just entertained. We're just, and you know what? If we're not careful, we'll do that in church. Isn't that a shame? Spirit and the presence of the Lord is moving. Somebody's back there on Facebook. Amen. Spirit and the power of God's moving and we're checking email. And <laughs> Amen. Isn't that a shame? The spirit and the presence of the Lord is in this house, in this place. 
Amen. And so we need to let the power of God move in our, in our midst. Let that be preeminent. I, I, his name shall be called Wonderful. Let me tell you something. He was wonderful when I was a child. He was wonderful when I was a young man. He was wonderful when I... <laughs> He was wonderful when I first started preaching. He was wonderful when we started evangelizing. He was wonderful when we started pastoring. He was wonderful, amen. He was wonderful then and he is wonderful now. Hallelujah. He is more wonderful to me today than he has ever been because I've been able to taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> Oh, I don't want to be bored. I don't want to be bored. I mean, the most insulting thing that could almost ever happen is one of the most insulting things at least that could ever happen is that you're in a conversation with someone and you could just see they are just bored to tears. They're looking over your shoulder. They're just trying to... And I don't want to be in church and, and to be bored with the presence of God, but I, don't, I, want, to, I want to stand in amazement. Admiration, admiration of his spirit, his presence, and his power at the name of Jesus. I'm going to confess today a confession that would, I'm certain, parallel many here today. But what I have felt here this morning, I have felt so many times in my life. I can't even keep, I couldn't even begin to name the times that I've felt what I'm feeling right now. The anointing and the power of God. But I pray, Lord, don't ever let me get cavalier about this. Mm. Oh, don't ever let me get cavalier about this. I want your spirit and your presence with me. I want your spirit and your presence with me. I want you to stand with me. Please stand with me. Stand with me. To my, to my knowledge, I will at least say there has been a concerted effort all through the years for me to intentionally and purposefully say, God, I need you to stand with me when I'm about to preach. I need you to stand in that pulpit with me. Don't let just Steve walk up there, please. Please don't let, don't let Steve walk up there by himself, but I need you to walk with me. I need you to help me. And I, I've been transparent through the years. There have been times that I felt lost and couldn't kind of get my hand on the direction of the service, but somewhere between here and there, <laughs> hey amen, I felt... I felt the warm hand of the Messiah. <laughs> I felt Mr. Wonderful. Amen. I felt wonder. I felt wonderful touch my hand and walk with me to the desk. Amen. I didn't think he owed me that. I don't think he was obligated to that. But it still makes me wonder at his power and his presence and his willingness to hear my cry. Let's clap our hands. Would you do that to the Lord? contrast to the passing things of this world he's wonderful he's wonderful when I stop and just think about just a few minutes that God almighty the creator of the universe would die on a cross for me if you're feeling cynical right now you need to get that out of your spirit he died for you. He died for me. It, it causes me to somewhat be bewildered. Consider the transparent honesty with which David penned these words of Psalms 8 and 3 and 4. The Bible says, when I consider thy heavens. Now this is David just kind of reaching down in his gut. Pardon me. He's just reaching way down. And when he says, when I consider thy heavens, when I consider the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. <laughs> when I think of what you have condoned, when I think of what you have sanctioned, when I think of what you have ordained, David said, what is man? 
that thou art mindful of him. I know sometimes we just go right there to verse number four and say, what is man that thou art mindful of him? But, but to keep it in context, we need to hook it back to verse number three. Amen. Because David is saying, when I look around and I think about this, 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 and then I look at the frailty and the fragileness of man, and I wonder, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? I'm amazed. I, I am amazed when I have so many uh so many times I've been subject to error and subject to failure. Times that I should have praised when I was silent. Times when I should have prayed when I did not. Times when I should have worshiped more sincerely and I was a little half-hearted about the worship. But you see, when he put a song in a red bird's mind. Amen. When he put a song in a red bird's heart, he never had to go back and visit the home of the red bird and say, sing to me now. Sing to me now. Give me all you got. Give me your best. Amen. But the red bird just dares the sun to rise. Amen. She just dares the sun to come up one more time. Amen. When I think about the wonder, when I think about the moon that still rises and still sets, when I think about the sun that is still obedient to your will, and then I think about how frail and fragile I can be, I am shocked that you would visit me. I'm surprised that you would show up when I call upon your name. I mean, that's kind of a different aspect of looking at things than rather than just thinking that, well, I'm here. What are you going to do for me today, God? You see, we treat this, you may be seated, we treat this like we are the audience and the entertainment is coming from here. We treat church like we are up here to sing and dance and entertain and we grade it and we judge it. We got our little mental clipboards back there checking off this, Xing off that. We know how many stars that we put beside each song and each sermon and we go home, had good church, well, it was kind of mediocre church, but well, it was kind of dropped the ball to here today and the night or whatever. We kind of grade it all on those scales, but I'm gonna tell you, amen, we need to come into the presence of the Lord. Amen. And realize one thing that we, we, you and I are not to be entertained. We're not the ones that are here to be entertained. But heaven, heaven is awaiting the entertainment. Amen. I'm not talking about dancing to entertain. I'm not just talking about doing our little tricks to entertain. But I'm talking about here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And we come to lift up your name. We come to praise you. And so can I engage every man and woman in the pews today? Amen. Can we make this entire building a platform? Can we make this entire building a place to say this is where the praise comes from? This is where the worship comes from. imagine that God would come visit my home. I can't imagine that God would slip into our bedroom on those nights when we have held hands and prayed together and the spirit of the Lord, I mean who are we? I'm, I'm, not, being, I'm not being sarcastic this morning, I'm being honest. Who are we that God would just move only because we called on his name? I think, I think men like Rusty Goodman and others had it right when they said, who am I? Who, who am I? We ought to sing that song with tears puddling up on the tops of our shoes. Amen. Not sing that song with our chest out. Amen, like here I am. Not sing that song like we're the rooster on the fence crowing and singing our praises, but we ought to sing that song with tears puddling around our shoes. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I? Who am I that he would come to my aid? Who am I? Who am I? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I have no idea what the Lord sees in me but I'm so thankful he sees something of value.
I really am so thankful he sees something of value. I was speaking the other night in uh, one one night last week, and uh, and, and I, I I spoke about this just a few minutes. I I've been asked many times to to sort of describe if I can. I think it's a fair question, certainly coming from hungry hearts. How do you? felt the call of the ministry upon your life and how did that happen, how, how did that unfold and so I'm not trying to sound super spiritual at, at all, and you've, many of you heard this testimony several times but I don't personally ever remember a time in my life not feeling called to preach, as long as I can remember I felt called to preach and uh, feel very honored that God has allowed that to be become a reality in my life my uh one of my brothers are here today, and and uh, I'm thankful for that because uh, me and Randy they they heard the first sermons I ever preached. <laughs> We'd have one of them especially good Sunday night services. I'm not sure what caused that or what was the catalyst of it. I'm just supposing I was almost too young to remember much much of this, but maybe I got all stirred up from the Sunday night message, and I come home and I had a little TV tray. And on the front of the TV tray, I cut me out a little cardboard cross and I hung a little piece of red yarn over the front. That was my pulpit. And Mom would make Randy and Billy stop whatever they were doing. <laughs> to hear this little whippersnapper wannabe get up and pound on that TV tray and tell them a few things here and there. It's no wonder they beat me up when mom and dad was gone. <laughs> I'm teasing. They didn't do that. I don't know. I, I, I can't explain the call. I'm just humbled by it. I'm humbled more than I have vocabulary to share. That God would not only fill me with his spirit and power, but he would call me to use my lips to propagate the gospel to others I feel very honored I, I, I'm going to hasten here if I can I'm already out of time I didn't realize that but if you'll just stay with me a few and I, wasn't, I wasn't baiting you with that I, I didn't realize what time it was but if you'll stay with me and ushers if you'll just help you know how we do this I'm sorry but if you'll just help our Sunday school to come on in and don't leave them out in the weather Next, Isaiah said his name is called Counselor. Now that takes care of a lot right there because life is, life is peppered with decisions every day. Some of them, I understand, are very trivial, but they seem important at the moment. You've been to those restaurants where there's about 14 pages of the menu. I don't know. There's too many decisions here. Too many decisions. Some of some of life's decisions are not are not about with cheese or without. Some some of life's decisions are not about with croutons or without. Some of life's decisions are change points. They're critical. They're game changers. And so so David said in the 73rd Psalm, verse 24, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. You'll guide me. God will help us. Even when heaven seems brass and silent, God will help us. God loves us so much, and he has a plan for our lives, and I'm, I'm excited about that. And you know what? God's interested in me. He's interested in my future. He's interested in you. You know God is interested in... in in every aspect of your life, to our young people this morning, I would tell them that God is interested in who you're dating. He's interested in who you're going to marry because, because that, that is going to help set the trajectory and the future of your life. He's interested in what career path you will follow because, because there are careers that will be conducive to your walk with God and others that perhaps would be an interference to that. And so God is interested in that. He takes interest in that. And and, and, and the Lord cares. The Lord, the Lord cares. You know, when, when you have people in your life that you know care, 
their opinions matter. How many men have ever asked, which shoes, honey? <laughs> Ladies, in a man's world, this is the worst moment in time because there is no way to get this right. And so we look for little subtle things like if you say, which shoes, and you do that. <laughs> looking for anything. We're just hinging on anything, on anything. But it matters. It matters. It matters. And you know what? In some ways, different maybe, we're the same way. We want their opinion. What do you think about? What do you think about this? And maybe they have no more insight to that than we have shoes and stripes and and, and plaids clashing. Maybe that we don't understand all of that and they don't understand what we're talking about, but we have an interest in one another. Often people go through life what, wondering what, what to do, but they never seek direction from the one who really holds their future. I, I'm going to tell you that there was a, a time in, in my life that I, I remember just in a valley of decision and and I remember just you know, seeking counsel. I don't think there's anything wrong with seeking counsel from trusted friends and people that have a proven track record and things of that nature and people that serve as accountability partners and things like that for us. But I remember one time that the Spirit of the Lord just kind of convicted me because I had talked to many, many people about this issue and yet never really talked to the Lord about it. Isn't that amazing? Because we're, we're in pursuit of this. We're in pursuit of this. We need to go to the God of all wisdom. Then Isaiah said he is the mighty God. Now the mighty, the mighty God, that, that handles the demands and that handles the, the sometimes often crisis of life. It's a reminder that to us, the babe in the manger was not just a good man, please hear me, but he was a God man. Huge difference. <laughs> there's been a lot of good men walk the earth but there's only been one God man that walked the earth and so we're not just talking to a good man but I'm going to go talk to the God man and Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man and the only one who has ever lived a perfect life God among us in all points tempted like as we yet without sin but Isaiah also states that he was the mighty God that means that he has unlimited power. It also means that he can give us power to live a life that he has called us to live. <laughs> Amen. I think that's important to understand. He gives us power to live what he's called us to do. And so God doesn't just arbitrarily call us to go do something and then kind of back up from us and see if we can handle it on ourselves. But he said, if I call you, I will equip you. Amen. And he will give us what we need on on more than one occasion, I've had people just like you that have told me, living for God is just too hard. I just could never do that. What a lie. What a lie the enemy has convinced you of. Can I tell you today that the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. Now that's a hard life. Now I, I'll embrace that with you. I'll hold your hand about that because that scripture Amen. But the word of the Lord said that his burden was light, his yoke was easy. And amen. And so I tell you this morning that when you get on board, amen, and let the Spirit of God and let the authority and the anointing of God come alongside you, that what you can't lift, he can lift. What you can't see, he can see. What you when you can't when you can't know which way to turn, he knows which way to turn. He will lead us and guide us. Amen. Maybe in your life you're dealing with a problem or a vice. Maybe you're trapped in some lifestyle. Maybe there's something else that, that has a hold of you and you think in your own mind, I just can't break through and you may have a point. You may not be able to break through. But if you can surrender that to the Lord and say, I'm going to give this to you and help me. And he will. And when you stumble, don't just stay there. Get up and keep walking. Amen. He will give you strength to do that. Isaiah said he is the everlasting father. And that kind of projects into our future. We know that life is not merely made up of what we experience here on earth. According to the Bible, we're going to live forever somewhere. Because Jesus was born, died, and resurrected, we have hope beyond the grave. 
This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. He's not the everlasting father, but he is indeed the father. I realize today that sadly, the title father doesn't have the same meaning for everybody in this building that it has for others. Some here have have traveled through broken homes. Perhaps you've never had a father actively involved in your life. And so when you hear the word father, it, it, kind, of, it, it kind of stands in its own brackets. If that's the case, it ought to be good news to hear that there's an everlasting father that can exceed the strength and abilities or even the inabilities of our natural father. Because of the cross, we have access to an everlasting father. And I, I, I know that many of you will, this will resonate with many of you, but hear me this morning that on the cross when Jesus said it is finished, that was a powerful statement, but what happened next was even more powerful because the Bible says, behold, the veil in the temple was rent or torn in twain or in two. And that meant that now mankind, common men, had access to the power and the presence of the Lord. And so we don't have to go through some other source. I don't have to have a priest, Brother Gibson, to touch God on my behalf. And I, 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 do, not, I do not say this disrespectfully, but I do say it matter-of-factly. I don't have to go through Mary to get to the Father. Amen. I'm thankful that I have access to him. I'm thankful that I have access to him. Amen. Let's stand if we can. Our musicians will come. The Bible says he is the Prince of Peace. I'm thankful for that because there's a lot of things we have to deal with on a daily basis. Sometimes there's issues that just do nothing less than disrupt the peace in our lives. When tragedy strikes or when bad news makes its way to our doorstep, we've got to remember that I am serving the Prince of Peace. <laughs> the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I'm thankful to know that peace of God that passes all understanding. Isaiah begins all of this with a statement previous to the titles that I begin to read. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And I believe that Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming back again. I believe that I believe in the imminent return of the Lord. What do you mean by that? I believe that the Lord could come before we dismiss this service. And, and, and again, before you get cynical about that, if he doesn't come for the church before we dismiss this service, he could come for me or he could come for you. Yes, he could. But I promise that will be fulfilled. It's in the word of God. But you see, before Jesus would carry the government on his shoulders, he carried the cross on his shoulders. And on the cross, he died for the sin of the whole world and then rose again. This mighty God in Christ, this everlasting Father. You know what he wants to do? He wants to be in relationship with you. Sounds unbelievable, doesn't it? Hard to comprehend that he would want to live with me and be with me. But he offers us the ultimate gift. And the Bible describes it as the gift of God, that eternal life. And so today I ask you, do you have that gift? Acts 2.38 says the gift is called the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit infilling. Amen. I appreciate it more today than I ever have before in my life. And it's... It's only because I understand it more. I realize that many people think about salvation in the sense of life after death. You know, I want to get the Holy Ghost or I want to be saved so that I can go to heaven. And we're talking about life after death, after we leave this world. I want to be right. I want to make that things, those things right. But, but you know what? I, I, don't, I don't want to challenge that. I, I guess I do want to challenge that. I, I don't want to just have the Holy Ghost for life after death. I, I'm glad to have the Holy Ghost for today live right now I've never died before but I have lived 
And so I, I don't understand about the hereafter, but I, I understand about the here and now. I, I can understand about what I felt this morning at daylight. I understand that. I understand about life right now. I understand what I felt as we gathered in my office this morning and began to pray about this service. I understand about what I felt right then, the power, the presence of the Lord. As we begin to open this song, open this service with a song and worship and praise him, I understand about that. Amen. And so today, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you have never asked God to forgive you of your sins, if you have never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, there's not a better time than today. Amen. There's not a better time than that. All you got to do is open your heart and say, I want this. I want this gift. I want to know more about this. He wants to be our Prince of Peace and our Counselor and our Mighty God. And the only thing that is stopping that is you and I. That's the only thing that is stopping that from taking place. Amen. So what do we need to do? We need to call on his name. His name is Jesus. And there's power in the name of Jesus. And so when you leave this building today and you're faced with maybe things of, that you would deem uncertainties, can I tell you, just take Jesus with you. Take Jesus with you. And it'll all be all right. I, I just feel like we need to pray. Amen. I don't want to rush through this moment here because maybe the Lord's speaking to somebody's heart. Maybe maybe there's a Calvary is tugging at somebody's heart today. Amen. I wonder if the Spirit and the presence of the Lord would just move in this place and we would give room for that right now. Amen. Can we pray and ask the Lord to touch our hearts? Can we pray and ask the Lord to touch our spirit right now? Come on, church. Amen. Let some noise come from your mouth. Let faith be found in your mouth today. Oh, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. God, let your power and your presence, thank you for reminding me of your goodness and your mercy. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.